This week on Excelsior Journeys, it is part five of our five-part miniseries. We are talking about the legacy of Transformers the movie, and our guests are two designers from Hasbro, Mark Maha and Evan Brooks. We're also going to be hearing from music composer Vince DiCola, story consultant Flint Dilly, and writer Ron Friedman to give their final thoughts on the legacy of Transformers the movie. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Welcome to this very special Excelsior Journeys miniseries celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the Movie. Every Tuesday in August, you will hear from various cast and crew members and other special guests discussing the development, the voices, the music, the aftermath, and the film's legacy. So get ready to go beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. Till all are one and ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. I can't believe we are at the finish line of the five-part 35th anniversary celebration of Transformers the movie. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you have had at least a fraction of the amount of fun that I have been having, getting to speak with so many influential people and getting to speak with so many fans of this movie. It has just been a real, real treat. And considering where this whole product starts, considering where this whole this whole line of Transformers going all the way back to 1984 and the fact that it started out as a toy line, here we are. It's the, it's the finale of this miniseries and it's the season three finale. We are taking a hiatus, a one-week hiatus. So it's just a short break. It's going to be just next week. We're going to be off, but then the week after, we're going to be right back into this with season four. And it's going to be a whole new intro, whole new outro. A lot, lot of great guests already lined up. I am so pumped for this. Now, for part five, we are going to be reaching out to where it all starts. Where it all started with was Hasbro. And I have wanted, ever since this started to really kind of come together, I've wanted to have at least one person from Hasbro to join this conversation to talk about what Hasbro has been doing lately, um, especially considering that they seem to be pulling out all the stops to celebrate this 35th anniversary, just like I am, just like all the other fans are. And I had been reaching out. I did a, uh, basically what I did was I did a, I did a reach out to the legal department of Hasbro. And Whitney Spencer answered answered the call. Whitney, you have a patience of a saint for putting up with all of my emails, asking over and over and over again if we were able to get someone. And not only did you deliver, but you delivered in spades because I have two people here that are that are associated with the studio series line, which is so exciting to be talking with them because the studio series line, the War for Cybertron line, they have reinvigorated my love for collecting these figures in the first place. I was never a big collector of the toys, but I was very much dialed into all of this since I was a kid, obviously. And here I am. It's been over 35 years later, and I finally own my own Optimus Prime. I have my own Megatron. I have a, a Starscream from the Siege line. 
I have Hot Rod from the Studio Series 86 line. I there, There's so much, so much to talk about. I am really pumped. And I would like to introduce to you Mark Maha and Evan Brooks from the from Hasbro. Gentlemen, how are you today? Doing great, man. Doing great. Very happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. And thank you so much for being here. And also a shout out to moderator Aaron Pierce for, for being a part of this as well. Thank you, Aaron, for taking the time to join us. No problem. So, uh, so Mark, Evan, let's, uh, let's start with all the way back to, actually, before we go back to the beginning, let's talk a little bit about the studio series right now, because I absolutely love how these characters look. I love how intricate the transformations are. I love that it's not just like the typical GoBots thing where you just basically fold them over and that's it. I, my first two GoBots were Tank and Dozer. Both of them transform the exact same way. And so getting uh, getting this kind of intricate transformations for all these different characters, having to transform Optimus Prime in 35 steps, having to do Hot Rod in I think over 30 steps, and it's 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 a lot of fun, and it's a it's a great way to just kind of have something there at my keyboard, just to kind of like take my mind off of what I'm working on for a second while I go through this whole 3D puzzle of a character, and set them back on, on my fridge, and then just go about go back to to what I need to do. So tell us a little bit about these these lines that have come out that have really really captured a lot of fans' interest these days. You talked about the complexity, but they're not so complex that you can't do them, right? You can still transform them pretty okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 As, you know, as long as I follow the directions a couple of times, and then I was just like, okay, I got this. And okay. now I can do it without any issues. That is fantastic because yeah. the goal is always to make sure that, yeah, there's a level of intricacy there, but it's also still intuitive enough that you can kind of figure it out without instructions by like looking at the joints and things like that. That's always mm -hmm. like the happy balance that I think we always look for. And it's fun too. It's yeah, it's, exactly. It's, they're they're fun to have. They're fun. They're fun to own, and they always were. Like from back from the to, to the beginning of it all. But but this line is just really something special. I love the way they look. Yeah, I'm a humongous fan as well. I was super excited when we started to bring in the '86 movie characters into studio series. Like we already had the generations line and everything else, but then this allowed us to kind of focus more on those kind of classic designs and details just a little bit closer and just really bring in weird features. Like I know with Cup, who was in the deluxe series, like you can rip off his arms and his legs because in the movie he gets blown up and ripped apart. That is genius. I, have, I haven't gotten so, Cup yet. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I recommend because yeah. fans really seem to like it. And I know Mark can kind of talk to this as well, where it's like people are taking apart Cup's arms because he is compatible with all the weaponizers that we've been doing in like the War for Cybertron line. Oh, I love it. That's, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's amazing what our fans are really kind of jumping into with customizing their own builds and everything. It's just like it's a world of imagination out there. It's 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 breathtaking that something I get to like search social media at night and I just like drool over all of these crazy combinations that people are coming up with with all the figures. It's awesome. It's, it's almost it's almost like Cup is like a junkie on ambassador. <laughs> a little bit yeah i mean i i do want to say too like evan's doing evan works on the majority of like the the 86 series of characters and you dude you're doing such a good job at getting the colors accurate to screen because as we yeah. all know in animation land 
colors mm. get wacky. Oh well, yeah. That's, uh, you say that, and then it's like <laughs> the first couple that we did, we were basing it off of like the DVD transfer, and then we watched the Blu-ray transfer, and the colors are completely different. Oh Ripping man. my hair out, just like <laughs> ah. But yeah, so it's like yeah, the different transfers of this movie change the color tones and it's like you look at Rekgar and he has like three different color schemes depending on oh am I watching the VHS oh oh no where's this coming from oh god (laughs) yeah and so it's great just holding your breath that it's like okay everybody should be happy with this I am happy with this I think think you're doing a great job man I I I love him I appreciate that thank you and and just going to that length to make sure that the color is right that says that's such a testament to how much you are making sure that the fans are happy. And that is, that really means a lot as a fan, knowing that, that, that Hasbro is, is Hasbro has people that are working overtime to make sure that that is just right. And making sure, basically like making sure that they have nothing to complain about. So (laughs) it's also us because it's like, we are humongous fans and it's like, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if something was just so off because of how much I love these characters and these toys. And I know Mark is the same because we were messaging each other at like nine and 10 o'clock at night, throwing images back and forth. Like, how does this look to you? Oh, that's great. I know it is, awesome. it, is, it is constant. It is around the clock. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful that I have Evan on the team to like to bounce stuff like that back and forth because sometimes you crawl into the robotic kingdom, it's hard to pull out. It's hard to see what's going on from an outside perspective when you're so nitty gritty details. I mean, the W, the WFC line, the siege line, and all the Cybertronian stuff, it yeah. is like so highly detailed and all the sculpts and everything like getting into the minutiae of all those like small little details and everything because i mean those are the things that someone's really going to attach to that those are the kind of things that i was really attached to as a kid where i would just like it's it's more almost like the the sensory feel of them Mm -hmm. and the cybertronian like roboticness of it all just it brings you into that kind of fantasy land where you're just like, I, I, what does this transistor do? Or like, what's this thing on the, this vent? What is that like an exhaust vent right here? What is this? <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I like that's the, when you dive in so deep, sometimes you gotta crawl out of, <laughs> you gotta crawl out <laughs> and come back to reality. Now like for no, oh, sorry. So for the studio series, I know there's Hot Rod, I know there's Cup, there's Blur. Jazz is there too, correct? Oh, yep. Yeah, and Absolutely. we have, and so far I've seen Grimlock and I've seen Slag or or Slug, however, whatever, have, they're, whatever they're calling them to, these days. We have to say Slug. So. Oh, all right, we'll go with Slug. Okay. But there right. is also Scourge. Oh, that's right, Scourge, and is Cyclonus part of that series as well? Or Cyclonus is, he... is in Kingdom. Kingdom, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So who else? Who else is uh, slated to join that line? Is there anyone that's that's on deck? So you have Rekkar coming up, and you have Na, who was the Shark Takan. Nice. And actually, yeah. And then you said, you already said slug. And I believe that was everybody for those coming waves. But then we also have a generic sweep that is coming. Oh. It's already leaked online that everybody has seen. So Interesting. Like, yeah, I can talk about that. So. Yeah. So with that, I mean, like yeah. the, the one thing that I, I this, this is me just kind of like 
basically thinking that maybe I need to take another look at the show. Obviously, the third season's animation was, you know, was spotty at best. But at the same time, I love, I still love that season overall, just from the storytelling aspect it of it. Still, it was still Transformers, so it's oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crazy plots that happened that season. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Carnage, in C minor. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so tell tell me that like any of these figures, ha- any of these characters has like a, a as a bonus like Basso Profundo, you know, like figure or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will tell you when we were looking at colors for Scourge and like the sweep, yeah. I was trying to also reference like the third season of the animation to see like, oh yeah, what color blue is Scourge? And then it's like it's a different blue in every episode. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly. just like, oh well, I'm just gonna go slip my wrists. So. <laughs> that is all about it's all about the hot pink fingernails. You got um, the hot pink fingernails yes, in that. That is the one consistent. And I'm just like, that's getting in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Now, is there is there going to be like any sort of like enhancement versions of these characters, sort of like Bert, Burden Hardest to Bear Scourge, or something like where he's oh, wow. a little bit more, like a little bit more mutated? I love this idea. Or, or did I just drop? Or did I just drop something? <laughs> Interesting idea, right? It's a yeah. super cool idea. I don't see that. You might get some royalties out of that one. I'm we'll good see. with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> Anything that's anything that's any more good that comes out of Burden Hardest to Bear, other than the fact that it should have been the season three finale for me, like that's I'll I'll take I'll take that and run with it. So, but one of the things that I never really I never really noticed was much of a difference between Scourge and the Sweeps. What exactly is the uh, is the difference there? Because like they just seem to be just like clones of Scourge. Yes, so, technically one is the leader, and that is the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of, there's a, that theme throughout Transformers lore, really, where you have yeah. like multiple little kickbacks and all the Insecticons are all the same oh, yeah. guy, but yeah, yeah, those are all Insecticon drones and like kickback is your guy. So it's like, right. I think that that thematic kind of runs strong throughout the whole entire thing. Actually, when you mentioned the Sharktacon, like, I don't think there was a certain Sharktacon that was like the guy. You no, know? he was no, never no. given a name, but no. I guess the toys just called him Na, and then it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're going with, even though yeah. they're just Sharktacons. Yeah. Right. I, I do appreciate that though you did do the rotund version of the Sharktacon. Well, we have uh, to follow the like, yeah. Laura Deary character designs. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the whole point. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let's start. Let's go back to the beginning with all of this, with your association with Transformers. Did either of you see the movie in theaters? No, I'm I'm 35, so oh I, my. <laughs> so I yes, yeah, so I caught Transformers on television when it was in syndication. It used to mm-hmm. air like with episodes of Voltron, like when I was super yep. little. And oh, then yeah. we would rent the video cassettes from our local Mammoth Video because we didn't have a Blockbuster because we lived in farm town. But then <laughs> I can. I can almost like lay out what I was wearing the day I watched the movie because of oh, how nice. much it, yeah, I was sick. It was a Saturday. I was laying on the couch and my brother rented it for me and oh, we that's put nice it on. One. And then it was like, yeah, I cried when Optimus Prime died because oh. it was like, what is going on? They're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was talking when I was talking with both Ron Friedman and Flint Dilly for episode one of this whole miniseries, and both of them said that was a directive from Hasbro, and it yeah. wasn't just like it wasn't just minimize them and bring in bring in characters like Ultra Magnus and 
cup and and blur it was just like kill him <laughs> i mean if anything that was a learning experience that day that kids have attachment to these characters and i think yes. that resonated throughout all of hasbro afterwards oh yeah and um, at the same time though like the way that that uh, that optimus prime's death scene unfolded and it was just a masterpiece too because i mean like everything yes. of that scene just worked like everyone was, you know brought their a game but the they knew like i mean you can definitely tell like ron flint everyone else who was associated with it obviously nelson shen vince Dicola, like everyone knew they were killing off someone very very special and i mean like it's they also knew they were going to be twisting the knife quite a bit because like <laughs> they show they show the the monitors there's the flat line there's the light going out yeah. of optimus's eyes the color fading the gray his head, his head wounds are fatal. fatal yep he <laughs> dropped he drops his head to one side daniel's crying i was like it's a masterpiece it really it's 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 amazing it's an amazing amazing scene i would show that to you know like anyone i would basically show like if i was to take like a 10 minute or 15 minute block of time from that movie obviously it would start with megatron must be stopped no matter the cost oh, and it would end with will anyone else care to fill his shoes <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. yeah yeah like that's that's right there that's everything you need to know we're like right there nothing to say about not you know denigrating the rest of the movie the rest of the movie no, is fabulous. but that is actually one of the things of the movie though is how strong it starts and it's mm -hmm. like i watch this movie maybe every year and i make my friends watch it too yep. um, <laughs> and it's just like oh wow god the attack on autobot city all this wow there's so much build up so much hype yeah and then it becomes like a little bit of a smaller story afterwards where it's yeah. like the smaller group going about and you're just like oh yeah the attack on autobot city really should have been like the finale but yeah. it should have it's like yeah you know. and and flynn was talking about that too he was he was he was saying that one of the one of the earlier scripts that he had was one that he's still actually trying to find at home called the secret of cybertron and it was the finale of it the last act of it that's what really kind of featured what he called the charge of the light brigade uh, sequence huh. where so much oh, of the 84 wow. toy line was just getting eviscerated. So I definitely get his, I understand why, why they did what they did. Like the more I watch the movie, obviously like I'm also someone who's going to watch it multiple times per year. And, but yeah, something like that, I can definitely see why they did that sort of formatting. At the same time, I can also understand why the people that were really latched onto those characters can be like a little less than excited throughout the rest of it as it goes. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're, you're I ripping mean, the Band-Aid off. See, I don't know. Like for me, as soon as Megatron gets transformed into the, the, the Walter P and Starscream starts blowing away Braun, and yeah, oh, and, prowl, and, then, and oh. prowl. Oh, and God. prowl's yeah, death, my prowl's God. Prowl's death, yeah. <laughs> prowl, prowl's amazing because he's got the the black and white that just like happens, and then the smoke just like cascades. Out you got you got to do you got to do a studio series of prowl where you hit a hit a button on the back of his neck and smoke comes out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the mist. <laughs> oh man, that'd be amazing, I, dude! But the, the black continue. and white, the black and white, <laughs> the black and white prime that we did, the dead prime was pretty sweet, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. That was. I remember the shout out to Johnny Warden on that one because he got that one done. Yeah, and and at the same time, like I remember looking at that, I was just like, "Mommy, can I have a corpse?" <laughs> <laughs> 
but that but that scene right there in particular for me just set it off for me oh, i was yeah. just like Second i set yeah. the tone yeah oh <laughs> my god I, my mind was completely blown like brain liquid was oozing out of my ear i was like i cannot believe they yeah. just did this right You're now invoking memories of when i was like like I had a babysitter over who was watching me and my brother when we were like super small and watching that movie. And she's like, I forgot they all died. Like when that scene <laughs> happened. And then it was like, that's all she kept saying was like, they keep dying. And it was just like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know, five or six at the time when it was still one of the things I kept enjoying to watch. Oh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch it in the theater either. It was definitely at home and it was definitely from the library because my mommy used to work at the library so they got to rent oh. videos from the library so mm -hmm. she brought it home and then it, it was I had an older brother as well and like you know he kind of the transformation puzzle play wasn't for him he loved the characters and everything but it was more for like the Marvel X-Men and everything like that and, and yeah. especially G.I. Joe so like Transformers kind of got left to me in a way where I was mm. just like, I really, really like was consumed by the puzzle play and, and just like the, the, the color schemes of the characters, which was, and plus the die cast metal. Oh, like yeah. it was just so, even the sticker labels back then, like the shiny foil sticker, like there was just so many things to like. So yeah. like when I, when I finally got to see the movie, I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. That was it. That, when, I feel like it's the same thing for everyone. It's like as soon as you see the movie, that's it. Like you are a lifetime, like yeah. worshiper, of like forever changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and like I was, I was saying to this with with another podcaster, Mike Cyber, a few weeks ago. We were talking about all of this and talking about what it is about this movie that deserves this kind of celebration. And yeah, there's a lot in there that that does that. At the same time, like the worldwide the worldwide public they are aware of transformers the fans are aware of transformers the movie that's just like yes. the jewel right in the center of all of this it's a technical masterpiece like. it really is like i mean just the, the look of it the the voice acting everyone was just on top of what they of what they needed to do talk about how good the soundtrack is oh yes that was Oh like man. Mind blowing. I mean, talk about like just that scene I was just talking about, which is like when that when that <laughs> when that chord starts to rip, you're just mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're, this you're is just insane. Up, yeah. And not only that, but you also have that really ominous unicron theme oh, that opens yes. up the whole movie. And I mean, just I I'm thankful that I got to tell Vince DiCola when he when he was on my show earlier this year and he also was here for part three of, of this miniseries but I got to make sure that he knew that Rocky Four and the Transformers the movie were I would say are the still to this day the two most replayed soundtracks I have in my collection I always go back to those it's just it's my kind of music it is my it is my wheel you know right in my wheelhouse I am so like so always invested in that and it always brings me back to that first time getting to hear it when i put them in especially hearing the lion theme which i mean that's just so it's just so much fun that's yeah. just a fun fun song to hear and especially like to turn up as much as possible i mean i got to see stan bush live at one of the oh, one of the botcons and oh excellent 
Dude, the chills would just not stop up my spine <laughs> that whole entire time. I mean, just all you do is replay movie scenes in your head while you listen to them. It's it's amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. Every everyone was it. It just it was it was a great it was a great mix of some uh, some great studio talent and Vince's pieces that he dropped in there, and even more so for the 20th anniversary re-release, getting to hear that full Unicron medley. It's it's just packed with so much great stuff. So I gotta I gotta ask both of you. I'd be remiss if I did not ask the two guys from Hasbro, which one was your first Transformer? Oh, I can answer this. It was a family gift. It was Jetfire. Nice. Um, yeah, he didn't want it anymore. I immediately broke its arms off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but my brother got me a replacement like much later in life when I was a teenager. Nice. But then that kind of set like, oh, yep, here we go. Yeah, we're leaving this fandom. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It just feels like it's it it feels like uh, like more more like more like when you become like a fan of of a of a sports team. Just like you can't really unfan yourself. It's just like it's it's ingrained in the DNA now. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so much so much uh different from like any other type of cartoon property that's out there like this there's something special about this line that is that that's got us talking about this over almost 40 years later what about you mark uh it was optimus i was very really? very fortunate Ooh. to start with the leader and then i also had megatron and that was yeah i know i was i got really spoiled my parents were super spoiled spoiled me rotten because uh since I had an older brother and he always would like take the toys and just yep. like not only let me play with some, like, so once, once I latched on the Transformers, like Optimus Prime for Christmas. And then one, he just, I need, we sweat. just thinking about the toy is just making me realize how much I actually liked Roller. <laughs> oh yeah, Roller. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why, but maybe it was because I was Featured so in young. one episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because I was so young, but like Roller made a, a huge impact to me when I was that age. We need to make a really good Roller put that on the list <laughs> see if he can transform like may, you know maybe add yeah. like a transform to him yeah, yeah why not deluxe yeah. series for sure there you um, go but yeah optimus was my first my and i lost the fists of course i'm pretty oh, sure of course. I'm everyone pretty sure everyone always loses a fist <laughs> i'm pretty sure my mom vacuumed them up on purpose <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get an optimus till like generation two started and that's when they re-released it with like that voice box in, like, oh nice 1992 wow. or 1993 nice and nice then, wow. it was like that was like the Christmas gift where it was just like, I want this so bad. And I got it. And it was like, nothing ever topped that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. My no. first, my first oh, one man. was, my first one was Bumblebee, but it was the red variant. I, oh. I didn't, oh. I didn't know. Oh. I I didn't know. This is before I started watching it. This is before the show premiered. I just happened to see like, see them over in the KB toys over in Poughkeepsie, uh, New York. And RIP. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so KB, not Poughkeepsie, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it was just seeing that line there. And I was asked, I, I was, you know, given the green light by my mom to pick one. And I picked that one and without knowing that like, Hey, that one's supposed to be yellow. But, but then not too long after that, I got the G1 Ironhide, 
the one that uh, the the one in two pieces you know the the one that doesn't have a head really yeah yeah. you got the sticker man you got the sticker sticker, yeah right behind behind the windshield yeah but then at i think i think it was bradley's i think this where or kmart no it was kmart it's when i got soundwave i got i got soundwave and then not long after that i got skywarp and skywarp became my favorite of the seekers like it was just I, I love Starscream as a character, but something about Skywarp. I think it was just because he looked badass with the with the purple the, and black. Uh, yeah, it just looked scheme. awesome. It was a great color scheme for him. Great. Yeah, it's and, pops. And also that he was he was able to transport himself and just which I think they only used that once. But uh, but yeah, those were those were my first four. Those were those uh, they got wow. me started and I never looked back. But at the same time, I never had an Optimus Prime and a Megatron until this past Christmas when I treated myself. To to getting it so Merry and, Christmas yes yeah. <laughs> I got I got the Earth the Earthrise from the Earthrise line oh, so a fantastic Optimus Prime and Mega oh I love 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 that Optimus it's so good it's so good and so so what so when did you guys join Hasbro what was uh, what got you guys obviously like the the love of this never left so uh, was this always something like I like kind of like the end game just like when I get older I'm gonna work there. Mark, you want to go ahead? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually, it's really strange. I mean, I was hardcore when I was young, and then, like, I kind of it fizzled when G2 kind of came around. I was, I was just more into, like, sports and doing stuff like that. And then when Beast Wars came, came on and it, was, it would play right after Reboot, that's what, like, got me back in, and then I was hooked. And then throughout my life, I just kind of went for like a computer information systems. And I was thinking of like, I wasn't even thinking really about doing anything with toys for a career or anything. I would just always constantly pay attention to them in the background. I got like the Decepticon symbol tattooed to me. And I was nice. like super, super fan stuff. I mean, just like working on my collection and on the side of working jobs and going to school, I, I was, I used to like really, really, really like admire my brother because he was like a, a really good illustrator when we were younger. So he got me into comic books and, and all cool stuff. So I really wanted to be an artist just like him. So all throughout my life, I kind of just like, focused on like doing a lot of stuff that in that in that world i ended up starting to do a lot of wall murals like i started really getting into that world of like graffiti and just really really experimenting with like large scale walls and stuff like that so i would nice. I was doing that on the side this whole entire time. Like, and then I started, I started doing a couple customs here and there of some toys and like when the vinyl craze kind of hit, I was doing like a lot of vinyl stuff. And then my, my career after I got out of school, like I worked, I, I had a couple jobs and I, none of them were really fitting the bill <laughs> to say, I just wasn't, wasn't really dedicated to it. And I just wasn't into it. So I would continue doing the, a lot of the wall murals. And I, I met a lot of people in that world. And then one of the people I met who was a RISD grad ended up going to RISD over in Rhode Island around school of design. He had a girlfriend that was working at Hasbro and I was like, huh. Hasbro, huh? Mm. Like that's what is she doing? And, and he's like, <laughs> oh, she actually works in the prototyping department, and she she's painting the prototypes. And I was like, Ooh. 
real? I was like, what? <laughs> like that? <laughs> it, that's a thing? Yeah. And then I, I obviously tortured her to tell me everything she knew. And then she told me the temp agency that she got hired through. And then I there therefore went and stalked the temp, temp agency for like two, three years. I just kept, you thought emailing Whitney was bad. I was, I was torturing these people. I was just, I was relentless because I just could not even fathom in my brain that there is an opportunity to paint Transformers for a job. I mean, nice. Well, it's yeah. like toy design as a job? I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those weird things that you just don't think about. It's like you're Josh Baskin, just like sitting amongst like all these different, uh, all these different toys, like all around you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I finally, so I, I got an opportunity once I showed them my like portfolio, I had like a lot of crazy stuff in the portfolio. So they gave me a shot to temp there. And then when I first went there, actually it was, they give you everything to paint and like Play-Doh, like My Little Pony, I mean, everything. So I, I ended up like inching my way towards G.I. Joe and Transformers. I ended up working yeah. on G.I. Joe for a little while with John nice. Warden, who was a designer. And then like talking to John a, a, like a lot through that period, I started learning about like the product design aspect of it. And then I ended up inching my way towards Transformers. And then I, I was prototyping all the Transformers line for uh, like... I don't even know how long. It was almost like 10 years. And then I finally made the transition. I learned enough about like the design, the product design aspect and worked really, really hard to like get my skills up to that level com comparable to the people that were coming in from like toy design schools. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to land land it and it's been a dream ever since like i it's still every day i every single day I've, i'm just like i can't believe i'm working on this right now like i can't believe i got this cyclonus i'm doing like that's insane to me yeah yeah, yeah. how about you evan a bit of a similar story i pretty much had always been into the toys to the point where like even my little brother as well like we used to like make up stories if we ever got caught going into a toy store to see what was going on with transformers like oh we're buying gifts for a young friend these totally aren't for me like one of those <laughs> weird situations uh, yeah because i was a teenager buying transformers and i thought that was weird right um, but then so i went to art school uh, i didn't know what i wanted to do as i kind of joked about earlier i didn't realize toy design was a job but then hasbro actually came to my school and ran a toy design competition mm. um and then if you made it into like the top five you got to interview with hasbro Ooh. so i made it into the top five i was i got to interview with hasbro but i i didn't get the the temp job at the time but two of my friends did and they ended up going out to rhode island so i kind of bounced around ohio for a bit doing art jobs and then they called me up saying hey there's an opening on the creo team which creo was hasbro's building block system oh yeah yeah, they, yeah. there's a transformer segment in that would you want to apply for that and i was like yeah um, mm -hmm. so i applied i got in started working on that brand if anybody on this podcast bought creos and remembers the battle changers that was me that was actually <laughs> nice that was nice. actually a conversation with like that whole team where it's like well we can't actually make transformers transform in the segment it's like oh you totally can i know you can and they're like no no we can't and it's like oh here no give me a day and then it was like 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> made up like six of the figures in like a day. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to make these happen. Um, nice. Nice. Creo started to die off. So then I was moved over to the Marvel team. Um, mm -hmm. I was on the Marvel team for a while. But I wanted to work on Transformers. And so I kept telling my bosses, it's like, please, I just want to go over there. Um, yeah. But then I was moved to like the Japanese team. So I got to work on like Yokai Watch, Zoids, and Beyblade and things like that. Oh, wow. And it's like, okay, I'm almost there. I'm so close. And, <laughs> but then I got moved to Star Wars for a bit. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this is right. fine. That's still a good detour. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is fine. I, yeah. It's okay. And then then I got moved back over and then I was put in like Transformers and everything else. So that is the fantastic thing though about Hasbro is, is like you get to kind of touch all different kinds of brands. Yes. So it's, it's, it, I mean, it really does grow you as an artist mm -hmm. for sure. Oh yeah. And yeah. They're, they're all so different. So it's always like, <laughs> that's always the thing is being able to kind of like run with anything that's going on because each brand is kind of handled differently. Obviously like a Marvel character is completely different from how a transformer is designed, Yeah, but they're all, it's like, I love all these things, so that's fine. But it's yep. like the end goal was Transformers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've been all with Hasbro, it's like full-time six years. Uh, and I've been on Transformers for about two of those now. Nice. But it's like off the books. I was, uh, I was like, been working for Hasbro for going on 10 years now. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And speaking of like the end goal, like this is, this whole thing, this whole month of August, having the opportunity to do this whole mini series to basically just say thank you to everyone who's been associated with Transformers the movie, whether they were a guest on my show or not. Just the fact that I was able to kind of reach out and just say, you guys inspired my writing in ways that no other movie really had other than Star Wars. And I mean, Star Wars is always like, that's that's what gets every everyone in my generation like wanting to pick up a pen and start writing. So, but but here we are like right at the finale of this whole thing. And here I, here I am speaking with two representatives from the toy company that is responsible for all of this. And so my question to you guys to kind of like wrap all of this up, what would you say, Mark and Evan, what would you say in your eyes is the legacy of this movie? What is it about this movie 35 years later that has made it endure and continue to endure for years to come? Ooh, oh, that's heavy. <laughs> I know. It... But I think, I kind of think what we talked about earlier about how it very much resonated with, hey, these aren't just toys. These are characters that we love. Mm -hmm. And this kind of, I guess, awoken everybody to that, like woke everybody up to like, oh, yeah, toys can be more than this. We are telling stories with these characters. And I think that really resonates with everybody. Yeah. And then obviously, of course, the technical aspect of that movie is still incredibly beautiful. And I very much enjoy watching it, even with all the animation errors. It's like, oh, it's fine. Yep. Rumble and Frenzy are the same color in the scene. Don't look, it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. like, it's like, oh, they colored the top of Blaster's head wrong. It's it's okay. Keep going. Next scene. Okay. Right. I thought it, it's funny. Every single person that ever, whenever I meet anybody that is just like, oh, yeah, I think Transformers are cool. I just don't know anything about them or like, I don't know how to jump into it or anything. The first thing I tell everybody, I even tell like co-ops and interns, anyone that 
says anything like remotely close to, you know, transform. I don't really know. I'm like, you got to start at the movie. <laughs> That's yeah. what you got to do for yourself. Yeah. Because that is the true form and the true essence of what Transformers is, is the animated movie. It yeah. wraps up all the the lore for how many years we had it now, 40, 50 years or whatever. I mean, <laughs> it just wraps it all up into like one movie and, and it's a fascinating, emotional, like just a ride. It's an emotional ride that just puts you into that world of Transformers. And you, you don't really... I mean, in all reality, like you don't really need anything else almost. I mean, you're going to want more, obviously, after you see it. But mm -hmm. I mean, that just wraps it all up in a nice pretty bow for somebody to be like, look, this is Transformers. And a very digestible 90 minutes. <laughs> 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 Which I was lucky that, lucky uh, a couple of years back, they actually re-released it in theaters. So I did finally yeah. get to see it in theaters. I actually took my fiance, I made, I dragged her in. I was like, you gotta see this. <laughs> They're doing it again in September. In, right. in September. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that is, that is just as much of a success as, as the previous run of that uh, hopefully more of, hopefully more of a hopefully more of a successful run than the initial run <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man but yeah yeah that's that's really what what this is about this is not just a group of toys this is not this may have been how it started but this is definitely not where it was in 1986 they are characters we we knew and loved and we were on this wonderful ride with them and for two years before that, we had seen Megatron come up with one scheme after another and was was always cackling while while doing it. He didn't laugh at all in the movie. I realized that recently. It was just smile, like, but yeah. Smile. Wow. Oh, and that's wow. man, that's that it's over prime like moment. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. He, he cackles all the time in the cartoon. Right, right. And I think it was just like I think his patience with the Autobots is pretty much shot at that point. It was just like, let's just kill him. <laughs> Enough of this, like trying to like get him to do this or trying to take over their minds or something. Let's just kill him. <laughs> wow, that's funny. I mean, what else is amazing about the movie is it's like you can bring in like Leonard Nimoy and then you can get Weird Al and it's yeah. all in the same movie. And, you're like, and Orson Welles. Yes. Like, yeah. have final Mon role. Monty yeah. Python and Citizen Kane are in the same movie. Like how it's like these huge powerhouses in the industry. You know what I mean? All combined into this like weird <laughs> alien realm of robots. It's, yeah. it's when you think it's, about it from the outside perspective, it's 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 bananas. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And I couldn't be more thankful, you know, for you guys to to come in and and chat about it. I couldn't be more thankful to everyone else for this entire mini series to come in and just share their thoughts about this this movie that would have gone the way of Gobots Battle of the Rock Lords had it not uh, connected with the audience in a way that you know that's that that we had never seen before and especially in an animated property like this. And so being able to, being able to fanboy out over this, being able to share the love, being able to make these sort of connections, like speaking with, speaking with guys from Hasbro, that's it's th this, this movie for me just keeps on giving. It has been giving since August 8th, 
1986. Although for me, two weeks later, when I finally got to see it, and Ed just has not stopped giving and still does to this day, thanks to uh, everyone involved, thanks to the Evan and Mark, and thank you, Whitney, for the, having that patience and putting up with all the emails and not sending them right to the trash. Like that's, yeah, I- Well, we yeah. have to thank the fans because obviously that is what keeps this engine going. Like yeah. just the, the tremendous outpour of positivity from fans and like what we've been doing recently and like what we've done in the past. Like we're trying to learn from everything that we're doing. So thanks for sticking with us. We're gonna keep trying to do great things, so. We got gems. We got a lot of gems coming your way. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much, Evan. Thank you so much, Aaron Pierce from the publicity department at Hasbro. It is so appreciated. And thank you so much, Whitney Spencer, for putting this whole conversation together. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we are going to hear from Vince DiCola, Flint Dilly, and Ron Friedman to give their thoughts on the legacy of Transformers the movie. But first, a quick message about the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. Founded in 1988 by Paul Newman, the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp provides a different kind of healing to more than 20,000 seriously ill children and family members annually, all completely free of charge. For many of these children and families, Hole in the Wall provides multiple camp experiences throughout the year at the facility in Ashford, Connecticut, in more than 40 hospitals and clinics, directly in camper homes and communities, and through other outreach activities across the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. I'm going to have this link available so you can go ahead and click on the button there and donate just as I am this month. All you have to do is go to holeinthewallgang.org. So Vince, it's been 35 years, three and a half decades. You've taken the score all over the place, obviously seen the movie more than once. The the first run in, in the theaters obviously could have been better, but at the same time, it was 1986 and that's just what happened. And so, but, uh, but with all of that, this movie has endured in a way that so many other animated features have just kind of come and gone. What do you, what, we, what do you think about it? What do you think it is about it that endures, that is grabbing everyone's attention after so many years and will continue to do so? For years to come. Well, obviously, they wrote a great movie, and and they wrote it for the fans. And I have to say, uh, when I did the movie in 1986, I won't say that I just took the money and ran, and it was just another job for me because it wasn't. I poured my heart and soul into the music, but mm -hmm. then when the, the the movie came out and it wasn't a success, it kind of left my mind for many many years. And I was contacted by, again, the gentleman I mentioned formal, uh, a little while ago, Glenn Hallett. Mm -hmm. He called me in 1996, I believe it was. And he said that Transformers, the movie, has gained cult following. And I said, I had no idea. I was not following it since the movie came out and flopped, basically. Yeah. Or as you said, could have done better. I don't want yeah. to say. And I said, no, I did not know that. He says, well, it's done so well that we've actually developed conventions around it and he said specifically your score has gone has garnered some attention and uh, that was such a a shock to me and he invited stan and me to the first botcon in 1997 in rochester new york and i'll just tell this brief story because yeah was, go for it it was just fantastic so stan and i flew out 
and to Rochester together. And uh, we had set up, Glenn had set up a panel for us at this uh, convention. And again, I had never done a panel before, so I really didn't even know what, what to expect. But as we approached the hotel where the convention was being held, we noticed a, a crowd getting into the convention. It must have stretched out for a block or so around the hotel. And I said to Stan, wow, this is, this is a more popular event than I realized. And mm -hmm. we got inside and got our badges and got with Glenn, met him in person for the first time. And I happened to mention, I said, hey, congratulations. It looks like this, this convention is already a success, judging from the line that's outside. And he said, well, I want to tell you something. That line is not for the convention. It's for you and Stan. Wow. And <laughs> oh, nice. I, I, I mean, again, this was all such a surreal experience for me. I had, keep in mind, I came to this convention and Stan did as well, not realizing that there was a huge cult following for it, mm -hmm. and, that it and that the score and the music had gained so much attention. So that was a big shock. And when the panel happened, Stan and I, we, we did the best we could having not had experience at that before, but yeah. the fans helped us because they were so, they were so respectful, respectful and adoring, if I can use that word. And it helped, mm -hmm. it helped Stan and I, sort of get acclimated to that format of getting on getting in front of people and talking about the movie and that was it was a challenge for me maybe for Stan as well because again we did not feel as attached to the movie as the fans did mm -hmm. so here we are talking to many many hundreds of fans that uh, quite honestly knew the music better than I think Stan and I knew it ourselves <laughs> and that, I've run into that a lot with fans and and that's a surreal experience but that particular convention and our appearance at it and seeing the the number of people that responded so well to the music it was unbelievable one of the best experiences of my life excellent and you said that was around 97 so right 97, yeah so, so that's, 11 years had gone by so that's so it's it's not only as as a as a fun, funny little aside it's not only that that uh, the, the transformers the movie kind of reaction and then the performance but it's also the same time that you have Mark Wahlberg singing "The Touch" in yeah. Boogie Nights. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure Stan Bush would like. I'm sure like his his mind must have been just like just blowing up oh, at that point. Absolutely, it blew his yeah. mind. And yeah. I think I'm the one that told him about the uh, Boogie Nights. He he didn't know anything about it. And I saw I don't know if it was a, an article before the movie came out and or an article after the movie came out that said they put that. He put Stan's song in such a great place in the movie. And yeah. Stan knew nothing about the movie. So I called him. I said, do you know anything about this? No. He said, I'll have to go check it out. And he was he was flabbergasted that they. That's great. And it, and it was perfect <laughs> how they used it. You know? It really it really was. And then and then as a little extra meta element, you have Mark Wahlberg starring in a Transformers movie <laughs> more than more than 15 years later. So, yeah, the connection is amazing. Yeah. So, so with everything, with everything in mind, like this, this whole experience of being so rooted into Transformers the movie and now Transformers lore, because like you said, this really is, this really was made for the fans. Everyone knows worldwide about Transformers, but the yeah. fans know about Transformers the movie. They know that it's the jewel at the center of it all. Right. Right. Well, I remember when I heard about the first Transformers live action movie by yeah. Michael Bay. Mm -hmm. And I made the mistaken assumption that I would be called at least for part of the music for that. Mm -hmm. And when I found out, we, we, we submitted 
my manager at the time and I submitted a package to Michael Bay's office. And but it it the process of getting material to directors in Hollywood is is not an easy one. So yeah, my manager was able to get all the way up the 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 line to Michael's assistant. And mm-hmm. when I when I had seen articles about the music before the movie came out, and I saw his comments about we want to distance this franchise now, the live action movies, as much as possible from the uh, animated movie. Yeah. And we don't want to use any elements from the animated movie. And that, that was a very depressing moment for me. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. I, I, I was, just, I'm not that I was assuming that I would be asked to score the movie, but I was, I, it would have been, it would have been nice to at least been considered for part of the music. Yeah. And then each year that a Transformers movie came out, it was another little series of depression for me because mm-hmm. It was a reminder that hey, you're not in this club. This is a different different club here. But yeah. what what offsets that for me is when I go to conventions and when I do interviews like this, and fans continue to express interest in my score, and sometimes even uh, a little bit more enthusiastic than the scores for the live action movie. And I'm not taking anything mm-hmm. away from Steve Steve Jablonski's score. He did a fantastic job. Yeah, but yeah. it's great. It's great that fans still react to the animated score and the, uh, the animated movie and the score from that movie. So I'm I'm truly blessed in that. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, that I can definitely say is that I I enjoy those the live action movies. I I do. I've 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 would say I would recommend a majority of them. Two and five, not so much, but like one, three, one, three, four, and Bumblebee. Yeah, definitely give those a look. And but uh, but at the same time, I don't see any of them enduring the way that Transformers the movie has. And it's it's been thirty five years already. It's yes. already endured in a way that uh, that so many other movies could not could not even fathom. And and a big part of that is is you and your score. So like I thank you. Thank you for be, for being a part of it and thank you yeah. for inspiring so many so many people like myself to stick with this franchise and let it inspire them in ways that that went that went above and beyond any sort of expectations. Well, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. And another very very short story just came to mind. Of course, we have Universal Studios out here and uh we, my family and I went not just like a couple months ago. So what Transformers, the movie came out in 1986. So yeah. here it is all these years later. And of course, this was based more on the live action movies, but they have a ride at Universal Studios called Transformers, the ride. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time decades after the movie came out, the, the movie that I scored that I went on that ride and I was just, just knocked out. Yeah. Nah, it just It just brought home that this franchise will be living on forever i think probably mm-hmm. way past the time that i'm gone and what a what a what a golden opportunity that is for 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 the, the pride that i have for creating this music and the pride that i have that the fans have appreciated it for so long so yeah it, it's it's been a great experience and i i just thank all the fans for sticking with me all these years and continuing to express interest in in the transformer score I've said this before and and believe this, that obviously Killing Optimus Prime was simultaneously the most controversial thing we could do, Mm -hmm. but it was also the only reason any people, anybody, you know, why Transformers seems to hold a a bigger place in 
in pop culture than really any of the other shows. Because remember how many identical shows to, you know, Transformers there were out there at that exact moment. Yeah, not identical, but I mean, there's Mask, there's yeah. Venom. Some sort of split the difference between Transformers and G.I. Joe. But I, I think it is it is fair to say that Transformers is kind of hung in there longer. Yeah. And I think no small part of the reason was that I think the killing, I, I, I have absolute optimist, opposite feelings about, about killing Optimus. Mm -hmm. One of them is if we hadn't, we wouldn't be talking about this right now, but that was the thing where they, where the fans and the you know kids realized there's how much they like this character. Yeah. And they demanded him back. And so I think that was, that was really important. I, I, another part of me, well, we kind of kind of violated our contract with the viewers because mm -hmm. one of the things about those shows that was so was was just true was that we we sort of had a deal with the viewers that this is safe, <laughs> it's a safe <laughs> space. You know, your heroes aren't going to get killed yeah. and, and stuff like that. And then, oops, we go out and kill the heroes. Right. So you can look at this a number of different ways, but but certainly, I mean, the, the legacy of it is. And also, too, the thing to bear in mind is that at the time, this was not viewed as, as a successful movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this was this was viewed as, yeah, as kind of a fail. Yeah. And so it, it, it is kind of cool to me that all these all these years later, we're, we're talking to talking about it and they're re-releasing it in September. Yep. I mean, how many how many cartoon movies get re-released? As many times you know what as I mean? and 30 years after the fact. So, so obviously somebody liked it. Oh yeah. And I, and I think it, you know, it looms larger now than it did even then. So that's, that's the legacy of it. The legacy of it is that I, I mean, I never thought they used to have things that we called cult classics. I never thought I'd be involved in one, mm -hmm. but yeah, we've kind of hit that status at this point. There it is. I, and there's there's a, a bright and a dark side to that. You know, the bright <laughs> side of that is, oh, we got a cult classic. To be in order to be a cult classic, you almost by definition have to be kind of a unsuccessful film. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it, it's that's just just kind of cool. Well, you were able to toe the line between uns unsuccessful then, but then successful now, very much in the way. Yeah, that, exactly. You know that you know, that I would say is is true. That's that happened with Fantasia. That happened with Heavy Metal, and that definitely happened here. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that that's the legacy, and and the legacy. I mean, look at all the other Transformers, the movies that got spawned from it, and that's the other thing that's really fascinating is that you have infinitely more technologically sophisticated movies and uh, and all that made afterwards, and yet this uh, we're still talking about this. Yeah, you know, part of that. I mean, if we, if we're totally honest about it, part of it is that it's a generation that grew up watching this that's still talking about it, but nevertheless that's 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 kind of cool nevertheless we're here we're celebrating it we're here and, we're talking about it yeah and i couldn't i couldn't thank you enough for being a part of it well i think that what it has made it such a an evergreen is because of this idea of transforming being very much part of the human condition yeah we transform mm -hmm. we change the seven ages of man of Shakespeare, he didn't put enough ages in there. Because yeah. there now seems to be an infinite number of ages whereby the human being is different, capacities change, mm -hmm. You're called upon to understand things that would be otherwise impenetrable. Yeah. And yet you have to embrace them and absorb them to be one with the time you're living in. 
Mm -hmm. So it's a continued churn of transformation, which everyone relates to subliminally. Yeah. They may not consciously say, Jesus, I have to really change myself. I got to deal with cell phones now. I got to be able to, to deal with the, the PDF. I got to be able to do this and that. Mm -hmm. And I want to be in. I got to be able to tweet. I got to be able to read a tweet. I think it's bullshit, but I got to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And driving an electric car. What about that? How far is it going to go? Well, I've got to do it because the planet's falling apart. We are constantly called upon to transform. Yeah. So this basic story, which is predicated on the ability of interesting characters who are noble and horrible yeah. to transform and do mankind, the world, robot kind, great benefits, and the others who are there to destroy. It's the yin and the yang constantly, yeah. the light and the dark, which is something Walt Disney figured out immediately. Mm -hmm. which is why Snow White's a classic, yeah. which is like why Old Yeller's a classic, mm -hmm. which is why, why nearly every one of his major films is a classic. Mm -hmm. He recognized there is no light without dark. Yeah. There is no sense of story or conflict if you don't recognize all the way, yeah. which is life or death. Mm -hmm. Snow White, she's in a living death. Mm -hmm. which wants her death yeah living please but otherwise snow white is what what's at its core it doesn't respond to life kids recognize life mm -hmm. it's you're alive or you're not yeah where's grandma grandma's gone she's with the angels yeah but where is she she's not here she's mm -hmm. gone grandma's gone Am I going to be gone too? Yes, but not for a long time, we hope. Right. What do you mean we hope? I'd like a guarantee. There aren't any. Yeah. So the Transformers parallels and at the same time creates a pathway for any audience's connection to tomorrow. Wow. These characters. And that's why it was important for me to transform Megatron after death. Yeah. When does it end? Mm -hmm. Does it end? How many religions are predicated on death being but one stage in the human experience? Yeah. Are we not going to become uh, avatars? Are we not going to go through the wheel of life until we've escaped our initial landing place? So it always speaks to this sense of being in flux. Mm. in a fascinating exciting way because yeah. there's always conflict drama things happen or they don't there are reasons we root for the good guys we curse the bad guys but we want to enjoy them as we curse them because mm -hmm. it's better that way yeah that's always green yeah absolutely always. absolutely so if i've been able to contribute anything to that i'm pleased but I take my greatest satisfaction in knowing this. The world needs stories. Mm -hmm. What would life be like if we didn't have a story to escape into? Mm -hmm. What would it be like if there were no music, no symphonies? What would it be like without poetry? What would it be like? It would be unbearable. Because yeah. as you're watching this fictional life, this universe unfold before you, where you can root for the good guys 
and be worried about what's going to happen to the bad guys. And always with hope in your heart, hope the good guys win, that justice and kindness trumps evil. We would be lost. And here we are. I set about putting this whole miniseries in motion over a year ago, and here we are on August 31st. We have concluded this miniseries looking back very fondly at Transformers the movie. I still can't believe that it's been out for over 35 years, and I still am so, so overwhelmed with gratitude for everyone who took the opportunity to come in and talk about this movie and share their thoughts on this small one-man show that I never thought possible to get this kind of participation. Thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this. And I'm also saying this definitely with some real sadness in my heart, because when you look back at something very lovingly, um, especially something that that took place so long ago. We're talking 35 years ago. I was only 10 years old when this movie came out. And a lot's changed since then. And a whole lot has changed in the past couple of years here. As at the beginning of July 2019, I had all four of my grandparents. And as of today, when I'm recording this finale... On August 29th, 2021, I no longer have any. My grandmother had uh, passed away this morning, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that she's not going to be here anymore, that she's not going to be hearing this finale. And I say that because she did listen to several episodes. My mother, thankfully, played some episodes for her. And she really responded to those. She was thrilled to hear that I was on the quote-unquote radio. Hey, it's internet radio. It's internet on-demand radio. That's good enough for me. And you know, and obviously, all four of my grandparents are, are getting the dedication for my latest book, A Greater Glory, Part 3 in the Excelsior Journey. They were here when Parts 1 and 2 were out. And they're, none of them are going to be here for Part 3. And that just it it stings. Would I have liked them to have been here for all for all three parts? Absolutely. I would have let I would have loved my cousin Matthew, who inspired the character of Excelsior in the first place. I would love him to be here, but as life is, it has a way of making its own plans. And so I am dedicating this episode with, you know, so much love and and definitely quite a bit of grief to to my grandfather, Pepe, who was also named George Henry Soroy. He was actually the third one in the Soroy family to be named George Henry Soroy. Then he named my father Wesley. And, but then because of my grandfather's name and also, and also because of my other grandfather's name, who was also George Henry Zorhide, my parents knew that as soon as they had a boy, that's what they were naming him. And so I get to carry on the George Henry name as George Henry Soroy. And so this is this episode is dedicated to to all four of them, to George, Pete, Soroy, Pepe, to Viola Soroy, Meme, to George Henry Zorhide, Grandpa, and to Peggy Zorhide, Grandma. This may be a little bit of a of a down note for this. 
But at the same time, this is not just the finale of this five-part miniseries that's dedicated to Transformers the movie, but it's also the season three finale for the Excelsior Journeys podcast. I am going to be taking, I've always planned that I'm going to be taking a week off, the week of Labor Day, and then I will be coming back on September 14th with the season four premiere. And it's the full discussion that I had with Ron Friedman and... You guys are going to love it. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Ron's got so many great stories to tell, and he's got so much great experience to share with all of us. And it's really something that I just I just always have to emphasize to everyone. If someone means something to you, then damn it, let them know it, because too many people leave us too quickly. And you may have their, their fond memories of them, but at the same time, if you have the chance to tell someone, whether it's someone you admire from a distance or a loved one, tell them. Tell them how much how much they mean to you. And you'll feel better having having told that to anyone. So I hope that all of you have enjoyed this five-part miniseries. I really hope that you have enjoyed this whole season. This whole season has just been absolutely mind-blowing for me. To be able to talk to so many great people, so many talented people, so many people that I admire, and so many people that are sharing their journey about their up-and-coming success, I hope that you have been just as inspired to listen to their stories. I hope that you continue on with your own Excelsior journey. And I look forward to hearing from all of you, especially since September 15th will be the first, will be the release of the first issue of the Excelsior Journeys newsletter. So please go to he's got it.com, click on the button at the top that says to subscribe to my newsletter, fill out the form. And you will get, as a thank you, right away, a PDF of a sci-fi fantasy anthology that I took part in. It is a terrific group of different stories by some really talented writers. I'm really proud of it. And you also will get a little bit of the, of the mythology of Excelsior because you will be reading what was going to be the prologue for Ever Upward, part two in the Excelsior journey. And then when I realized I didn't need it, I was able to repurpose it into a little short story. So please go to he's got it.com and sign up for the newsletter. And also let me know what kind of bonus material you would like to have included in your newsletter. If you are a fan of commentary tracks and you'd like to hear my take on on them, uh, talking about various films that are out there. I'd love to hear from you. If you are if you are interested in winning each month a $20 gift card from Amazon, you can go ahead and sign up and that will be your first entry. And each week as the newsletter comes out, you'll have different opportunities to gain more entries. All you have to do is send some screenshots to regarding different things that I am tasking you with. And I really look forward to hearing from all of you. Please keep spreading the word about this show. If you like it, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and please leave a detailed review about the show. Um, nothing, uh, nothing generic, nothing just saying like, hey, great show, looking forward to the next one, because a lot of companies that are out there like to sell five-star reviews for different podcasts. And that's what they, they just flood 
the the podcast with those kinds of reviews, very generic. So I I trust all of you are genuine. I trust that all of you really enjoy the show. If you have a specific favorite episode, please note that in your review. As always, I look forward to hearing from all of you. You can always reach out to me at george at he's got it.com. If you have a suggestion for a different guest you'd like to have on, if you'd like to be a guest yourself, please go to he's got it.com slash podcasts and fill out the guest application. There is so much going on with this show. I am still absolutely floored that so many people want to be a part of this. And I hope that you do too. So we are closing out this five-part mini-series on Transformers the Movie. We are closing out season three of the Excelsior Journeys podcast in the best possible way. And so for every one of my guests and everyone that is to come, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you for the season four premiere on September 14th, till all are one. Thank you for listening to the Excelsior Journeys miniseries celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie. Thank you for donating to the Hole in the Wall Gang camp. Thank you, Zach Comtois, for providing the intro and outro to this miniseries. For more information about Excelsior Journeys, please go to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. 